The Faculty Futures Lab is a project of the SDSU Initiative for Inclusive Leadership, a faculty-led effort to grow capacity to lead within institutions of higher education in complex and uncertain times. Funded by the President's Budget Advisory Committee. Learn more at fa.sdsu.edu. All guests speak from their own expertise and experience, not for San Diego State University. Hi, everybody. I'm DJ Hopkins. I'm a professor at San Diego State University, where I'm the co-founder of the Center for the Study of Media and Performance. Today, we're talking about the arts during these COVID-19 days. When the pandemic hit and communities shut down, in many ways, the arts shut down too. This is not to say that people stopped being creative. Many creative professionals found time to write or paint or otherwise make their work. What was lost though, was the point of contact, the access to physical spaces where the work that artists make comes in contact with an audience. That's been especially true of the performing arts. If you had asked me in January if synchronous performances over Zoom should be considered live theater, I would have had two responses for you. First, I'd have said, no, that's not theater. And second, I would have said, what's Zoom? Well, now it's October 2020 and people, everybody knows what Zoom is. I use the words synchronous and asynchronous, it feels like, several times an hour. And my ideas about what constitutes live theater, let's just say they've been evolving. What's true for theater is just an extreme example of the situation faced by all the visual and performing arts. We hear about the end of cinema. We read about museums selling items from their permanent collections. And many arts workers have been facing personal financial crisis since March. It's been a long, painful pause for the arts. As for the arts in higher education, well, we may be back teaching, whether synchronous or asynchronous, but the question still is, how do we teach art practices that have historically depended on face-to-face -face interaction at some point in every discipline? Well, my guests today have been trying to answer that question and other questions for weeks now. Let me introduce. Annie Buckley is the director of the School of Art and Design at San Diego State University. Welcome, Annie. Hi, DJ. Thanks for having me. Professor Jessica Prudencio is a professional theater director with national and international credits. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be part of this conversation. And Brian Hu is a professor of film, television, and new media, also at San Diego State. And he is the artistic director of the San Diego Asian Film Festival. Hi, Brian. Hey, DJ. It's good to be here. Despite the many obstacles of shelter in place and social distancing, the shutdown has been, among other things, a time for innovation, a time for reaching out. So with reaching out in mind, Brian, let's start with you. What's it like to organize an international film festival during a global epidemic? <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned reaching out because basically as soon as this all happened, like around March and April, a lot of companies started reaching out to film festivals 
basically everyone was promising we can make this work for you. We're going to, we're going to get you online and we're going to mm -hmm. provide you the platform it takes. Mm -hmm. And so a big part of our, of our work this year was actually talking to different platform providers. Um, the kind of the same way that we used to do this for venues. Like we'd go from venue to venue, seeing oh. what their projection is like, what their sound is like, except now it's about, a it's a different kind of venue. Um, how do they present the films on a website? Can they accommodate Q and A's? Um, how much of the right. old way can they replicate virtually and how much of it can they innovate that we never had before? Well, that's fascinating because one of the things that I've been thinking about is the, the importance of a live audience to cinema or at least to a, a film festival. How important is it to you that there's a kind of synchronous old way experience of the festival? Oh, there's nothing like the live experience. Like that's, that is what, that's why we're here. I mean, even from a political mm -hmm. level um, and, and thinking about our mission, I mean, our, our festival exists because Asian cinema and images of Asian Americans don't exist in the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's something really powerful about like watching a film, you're laughing to the jokes, you're crying because of this, because you're so moved. And then you can look at the person next to you and they're also laughing. They're also moved. And if right. you know that, this notion of belonging is, is collective. It's not just my own reaction. It's that there's a whole community around me that is also finding value in this and not, and not feeling alone. Like that's why we exist yeah. as a film festival, not merely to entertain and give people kind of individual experiences. How are your audiences responding to what you're planning and how are you connecting with the San Diego Asian Film Festival audience beyond like a, a, a Q&A after a screening? Well, interesting, like nobody has reached out to us and said, how dare you not have a physical festival? Like, <laughs> like our, our audience isn't saying, aren't saying things like, please just like the AMC is, is empty. Just go there, we'll be there. Like nobody is saying that. Like nobody wants to be in a theater right now. And, right, and so right. that is not, so we're not trying to get away with doing a live experience because it's not gonna be the same live experience anyways. Um, so we are doing mm -hmm. a, we are doing drive-in screenings. So that is that's a thing now, right? Right. Um, right. Are, are, I mean, um, studios, other film festivals are finding that if you uh, just retrofit a big parking lot like we're doing here um, into a drive-in theater, oh, that wow. would be a socially distanced way to to watch films collectively safely. You won't can't hear people laughing in the car over, but at least you know you weren't alone here. Um, and so that's one way in which we are trying to create a sense of the collective. I mean, obviously not the same. But that's pretty great. And the festival opens this Thursday. Is that right? That's right. Um, I mean, our festival is normally 10 days. This year, it's nine days. So it's not that much smaller. Mm -hmm. um, we're still at 125 films. And what it says is that the work is still out there. Um, we haven't really felt the hit of production shutting down just yet. The real test might be in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. What's the website? Get it out there for anybody who might be able to hear this in a timely fashion. Yeah. So the San Diego Asian Film Festival, you can just search that. Otherwise, our, our website is sdaff.org. So from a performance perspective, the presence of a live audience has always been important, if not part of the definition of theater. Jessica, you've been making theater during the pandemic, and you've been doing so without an audience in the same space as the performers. What's that been like? Yeah, it's been fascinating. It's exciting to know that the work is still happening and 
the work still wants to get done, but I'm finding that it's happening in several different ways. Uh, there, this is a good time for development. So I'm doing a lot of Zoom right. development uh, on new plays and new musicals. It's all very challenging, but with what's also exciting is that we can get uh, a lot of, of, of the actors, like we're not confined to space. We're, oh, we have, you have to work with all these actors in this city. So now we can get actors oh, yeah. over, the, over the cross of, you know, three time zones to work together to get into the room to develop an idea. So development is a big part of this time. That's one right. aspect. Right. And then the and then there's others, others being Zoom performance, which is one of the questions is how do we innovate within within these live live platforms or virtual platforms like Zoom? So, yes, I have worked professionally right. on, a, on right. projects that that create uh, work on that are on Zoom live. So for listeners who may not be on the inside of theater by development, you're talking about workshopping shows that that are basically uh, it's like a rehearsal. You've got actors, you've got writer, you're the director, and you're working on tuning up the project for a future production. Yes. So, yeah, working on it with the intention of it being a live performance in the future. Whereas the remote theater you've done has been over Zoom mostly? Yes, has been on Zoom. So Zoom is the platform. It is the given. I mean, as we, with every director, where yeah. first thing we look at is what are the givens? What what's our space? What's our right. what, what do we have to work with? And so when Zoom is part of the given, now the question is how do we innovate within that given? So that's talking about technology as our our you know our new collaborator in mm -hmm. this process. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the question. So yes, we've been working working performing on Zoom, but I will say this is a time. For me, I'm, I'm also a film director, so I'm now going into directing right, film, which is right. fascinating hearing the inside scoop from <laughs> Ryan because I've been part of these. My film has been making the virtual rounds on on uh, on on these festivals. But I think what's exciting for me right now, professionally, is that my my film director hat is meeting my theater director hat in this right. virtual world. Right. That's interesting because it does seem as though it's a kind of hybrid of the screen arts and the, the live performing arts. Is that what you're finding? Yes, it has to be. And I think if you deny mm -hmm. it, then it's not as successful, in my opinion. I think you right. actually have to say we are creating, we are using cameras. So, yeah. So film, so the film, film is part of our process. So we have to really look to our colleagues, our, our, whether it's our film colleagues or, or editors, and we have to say, how, how can we meet each other? How can we innovate together in this form? We must. It's, it's a yeah. time that this pandemic is forcing us into an exciting collaboration of possibilities. Yeah. On the other side of the screen, who are the audiences for this remote theater? I think it all depends on how it's being shared. So if it is live and it's happening at this, at seven o'clock on Friday night, I think you're having a more typical uh, theater, people who want to see theater, friends, mm -hmm. families, people from, uh, although again, not confined to space, not confined to city. Right. You know, now anyone can tune in uh, anywhere uh, all right. over the world. So I think that's what it is. Another thing that we're seeing is that you now have, so I've done pro a project where, or two projects now where we filmed it on Zoom and then it's, right. and it can be viewed at any point at any time. And that has more access. So going back to this idea of reaching out, 
and following on exactly what you just said, are you finding that remote theater allows you to access new audiences to reach people who might not have gone to the theater before? Absolutely, because I think, you know, before it's like, oh, I wish I could see your show. I wish I could see that. I wish I could have. And now if I'm creating for the virtual world and that project is posted on that website and gonna it's going to be available to anyone to watch for the next few weeks or indefinitely, now, uh, now I, I am able to, my work is able to reach anyone, literally at any time, who click on the link. Annie. You've been working for years with audiences beyond uh, the usual art gallery crowd. Could you say a little bit about your work with the Prison Arts Collective Project? And I'll tell you right now, my follow-up question is going to be, how have the last six or seven months impacted your work with incarcerated people? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, So yeah, I I started this program in 2013 um, when I was then a faculty member at um, Cal State San Bernardino. And we're now based here at SDSU. And honestly, I just want to start with a shout out to our team because we have multiple people working together on this project across SDSU, CSU, San Bernardino, Fresno, and Fullerton. We have faculty, students, and staff. And I'm just really proud of the way everybody has come together um, to address this. Um, yeah, I think it goes without saying that the pandemic has just been critically difficult for our particular population, um, the incarcerated people. Mm-hmm. It's just, my heart goes out to them. It's just a, 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 a difficult time to say the least. So yeah. we just wanted to do the best that we possibly could to offer some kind of support Um, We did stop our in-person programming. We're actually in um, Mm. 12 prisons across the state and 17 different um, facilities within them and men's and women's and um, all different levels of security. But we stopped all of them. Um, Our last program in person was March 12th because we felt that the safety of our participants and um, our teaching team was paramount. And then the state did also stop the in-person programming shortly thereafter. So what we've done is we've created um, collaboratively, we created distance learning packets. So like um, Brian and Jessica have been talking about Zoom and and all of the exciting things that happen that way, we do not have any access to that because Mm. all that we can do is literally mail a written packet in. Um, We have mailed in over a thousand packets already. We've created um, multidisciplinary packets. We've created a correspondence version of our arts facilitator training, which is to support um, the incarcerated folks in, who want to become teachers in the program. Are you getting feedback? Are you hearing from, I guess, through the mail from people who are putting these packets, th- these remote learning packets to use? Yeah, we are. Unfortunately, in the beginning, we didn't hear back so much, but now we're hearing back a lot more. It's funny because in my office at SDSU, they're like, Annie, you have mail. I'm like this <laughs> giant, <laughs> giant box of letters from the prison. So, oh, wow. um, so yeah, so we've gone through all of them. We're responding to all of them. Um, the general feedback has been you know, gratitude, of course, they're happy to have something to be able to work on, to be able to do. But we did notice as well last spring that some of the feedback was that they felt a little confused or they weren't sure what to do, what to send back. So this summer we did a lot of like collaborative planning and reflective discussion and came up with some things like to make them 
to make the packets more visually appealing, to create more mm. graphics, to say, here's what you send back, to have a li little bit less text because there is the general um, levels of literacy within the incarcerated mm -hmm. population are lower than our society at large. So I felt a little, like it's one thing to just have a piece of paper when you used to have a teacher and a paintbrush, but then it's another thing if you're like your reading level is maybe a little more challenged. So right. we are working with all of that. And at the same time that you're working on that project, you're also the director of a large academic unit at San Diego State. So let's shift now specifically to higher ed. Annie, what's it been like running a large academic arts unit during a pandemic? <laughs> I can only laugh because it's so crazy <laughs> and so difficult. <laughs> it's just really, it's like juggling with like, too many pieces to actually ever accurately juggle and mm -hmm. so something's always feels like something's always dropping it's quite challenging um what I try to do is try to see the positives try to laugh at you know life because what can you do we can't control this situation mm -hmm. and um yeah, and just focus on the positives. So one of the things that I think has been really great is our faculty and our students and staff have found ways to innovate to make the curriculum accessible to our students as best as possible. Um, though obviously visual art and design are more often like theater and, and music and um, film more in person. So we've mm -hmm. been making efforts and um, to do that. And so just briefly back with Prison Arts Collective, we have also created a video series that we're hoping we'll be showing inside um, oh, soon. Yeah, so we did a series of educational videos and some of the faculty at SDSU worked on some of those. And then we also are creating oh, a radio cool. program. Yeah, so that's exciting. Oh, um, yeah, it is. So we've we found a few ways, but one of the things in the School of Art and Design is that we've been just trying to be like, I mean, I do laugh because it is challenging, but we've just been trying to be really responsive to the needs as they arise and remain flexible mm -hmm. and remain creative. Like, for example, um, we had a lot of students in pretty acute distress last spring and summer. Uh -huh. um, and at the same time, we had wanted to reconnect with our alumni. So we put these together to create um a mentor program that we're piloting over the summer and fall where we're pairing oh, yeah. an alumni with a student, get their you know input and support. And so that's been really positive. And um, our diversity Fantastic. inclusion initiative has gotten, has been really active. And since um, all of this started, we've had a new mural program, started an outreach program, mm -hmm. integrating um, anti-racist discussions into our curricular planning. So I think we've found ways to move forward, um, but some of the faculty have done some really amazing things. I think that three areas that I've kind of noticed that they've been innovating the most is trying to create personalization and community building within mm. the online space. Um, right. We have, yeah, so that's been really cool. Like one of our faculty, Russ Pryor, is sending video messages along with the grades to give feedback, <laughs> which I thought, yeah, is really fun. Um, and then we've also been thinking about ways to share art and design in virtual platforms. Um, like Carrie Ann Quick has created an Instagram platform with her student work together with um, students from another university. Um, and Kodoro Nakamura has been using this right. space called Miro, which is like an online pinup space where students can like virtually pin 
their projects. So it allows it to not just be the one at a time, but to show sketches and references. So those are a few of the creative things that I think um, there's a lot more, but. Thank you. Those are really creative adaptations. Brian, Jessica, can you relate to any of Annie's perspectives? Yeah, absolutely. So, so my focus is directing and I'm mentoring lots of student projects uh, and also teaching within my, my directing courses. And I've put it to the students is that there's so much innovation and questioning happening around the world in this industry of, of how, how do we create community? How do we innovate under these given circumstances? And students want to figure it out. So in addition to creating space of, of discussion and innovation, I think what's exciting is that students are tapping into, uh, you know, what, how they are connecting virtually um, and trying and taking risks. Is that something, and ultimately that's something that, mm -hmm. that is just exciting is that there's no, there's never, there's no answer, but there's only possibility. And I think in creating a space, encouraging that uh, within yeah. the students, and yeah. seeing the amount of independent projects that are happening and wanting to brainstorm with me, that's been really exciting in, in my area of directing. Fantastic. Brian? Yeah, I'm listening to what Annie is saying about like creating a um, like different ways for students to interact with each other. It's a real reminder that campuses are also communities, that we go yes. to a campus in order to run into each other also. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain joy that we get from that, like passing by a faculty member's doorway, right? Like mm -hmm. it, whether it's whether it's someone who's your instructor or a colleague, and then being able to slip into conversations and to 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 react to each other, and and so the challenge has been how, how do we find use to, uh, like tools online in order to at least at the very least give students the feeling like they can bump into us, or that yeah. we have a visual presence online as well. Mm -hmm. um, and for us, it's been at least for me, it's like over communicating, <laughs> um, like, yes. like, like um, putting Absolutely. myself out there maybe in ways that I wouldn't have otherwise, um, that maybe in previous semesters, I would have been reluctant to use my image, for instance, like on, on Blackboard or something. But now it's like, you, you have mm. to, you have to make them feel like you are there. Right, right. Brian, what about the film production program? You know, we've been talking a lot about liveness and the reality is most people watch movies on the couch. But actually making films is a different kind of activity that usually entails face-to-face -face interaction. This has been a huge challenge. I uh, bet. Because I also, students want to become filmmakers because they want to work together. Like part of the collaboration is part of the joy of putting a film together. Uh, and luckily we, we're able to follow the lead of what's happening in the film industry. Um, so we can see what the guilds are doing and the guidelines that the unions are giving to each other, both on so like the studio level, as well as an independent cinema level, as well as what documentarians, like the best practices that are, are created now for documentary production. And we can, so part of advising our students about what they can and can't do is also letting them know what is happening professionally right now, because say they're right. able to graduate, this is, this is gonna be a reality for, for at least the, another year or so. Um, mm -hmm. And then so giving them, and, and really it's about having them think nimbly as filmmakers. If our right. department exists to create independent filmmakers, being independent is also, it's not just, doesn't mean you can do anything you want. It means mm -hmm. being able to adapt to, to, um, to limits. And this has been definitely a test of that for, for students. Thanks, Brian. Annie. I just want to follow up on something that Brian was saying. I feel like, um, you know, in the School of Art and Design, I think we've always tried to create like 
professional opportunities for students to actually apply their skills in the real world. But now in this situation, that's become a little bit more challenging, but we have still um, tons of um, internship partners that they work with. Um, I think like over 40 or something, but we also have a couple of two of our newest faculty are working on collaborations in the community, which I think is so interesting. Um, Klein Swanger is working with the city of El Cajon to potentially design a nature discovery center wow. with the students as a culminating project. Yeah. And we have another yeah. new faculty member also in interior architecture working with, um, got together with Carl Winston, director of hospitality and tourism. And he has mm -hmm. a hotel that he's working on the Horton Grand Hotel and the students are now going to be potentially designing aspects of that as part of their project. So I think the fact that those types cool. of things can continue in this time is important yeah. for our students. Jessica, are your students doing anything that ordinarily they, they just wouldn't do? Yeah, I will say that they, I'm, I'm feeling this interest in playing with form in a new way. Oh. I think uh, what's happening is that they're looking at media in a new way. Mm -hmm. They're looking at place, even styles or genres. Oh, uh, so we're not just, because we're not just creating, oh, you get this theater for this time. Mm -hmm. We're not confined to that anymore. So what's the play that I can fit in this this theater at this slot? That's not, mm -hmm. that's no longer the given. So when, when, when our stage is really open to our definition that is as opposed to being like oh we we don't get a theater anymore it's oh we don't have a theater anymore what we do have is we have space we have people's homes we have mm -hmm. social distancing like we have these things so so that's what's really exciting to to see and to help brainstorm with them of yes yes it's it's we what we know and what we we want is that community but now but now with this new situation, how can we embrace it? And I, I'm seeing them experiment in form in ways that that I don't think they would they would have done originally. Because even yeah. even as things change and as we do, uh, you know, return to space uh, to to a real crane theater in in uh, tangible theaters, uh, virtual work will continue. So it yeah. is it is a new genre. It is a new aspect of our industry. So it's not like this is all gonna get thrown away when theaters open, it won't. It will continue no. in some way, in an exciting way that makes it accessible to anyone all over the world, as long as you have uh, internet. Oh, that's really interesting. Thanks, Jessica. I wanna extend that. Annie, uh, last question goes to you. And in many ways, this follows on what Jessica and Brian have both been saying. What do you think, Annie, will be the lasting impact of the pandemic on the arts, especially the arts in higher ed? Yeah, that is a really good question. I mean, I can't, you know, none of us can read the future, but I will mm -hmm. say that I hope that some of the positives that have arisen, like accessibility that Jessica mentioned, as well as the increased collaboration mm -hmm. continue. I hope that those things continue. And I also hope that we use this opportunity to reevaluate the way that we consider art within our society, the role mm -hmm. of art in society, that it is an um, 
that it is a tool for transformation, that it is a tool for societal identity making and meaning making and change. And I hope that it's seen in that light in the future in a broader way. Thank you. I, the word that strikes me the most there is hope. Thank you for sharing your hope. Thank you all for sharing these adaptations and all these experiences of reaching out. My thanks to Annie Buckley, Brian Hu, and Jessica Prudencio. For more from the Faculty Futures Lab, listen to our episodes on Apple Podcasts. And for more resources for faculty, visit fa.sdsu.edu. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.